Kyle's commission is one of the bugbears of signing up an agent. What's too much? What seems cheap? What does it include? When does it need to be paid? It's a really scary process, especially when you're talking about your most important asset. Zaley Reynolds is in today to explain what's acceptable and what's to be wary of. been the director of one of Burundara's leading luxury estate agents. She has years of marketing insight and experience, ensuring her dedicated service gets her clients the results they desire with the support they require. She has won numerous awards for sales, works tirelessly for her charity Global Village Housing that provides housing in Cambodia, and is devoted to her family. Zaley is leading by example to show the world that she is consciously committed to helping others alongside actualising her own ambitions. Welcome, Zaley. Hello. How is everyone? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, good. Thanks for coming in. No problems. Thanks for having me. How did you uh, get into sales, Zaley? Oh, I kind of fell into sales. Uh, My uh, auntie and uncle owned their own real estate agency and I was at uni and kind of working part-time with them on Saturdays, helping them out. And I thought, you know, I really wasn't enjoying the course I was doing and thought I would just get into into helping them in a more full-time way and fell in love with real estate. So that's how I got into it. So how much, getting into the sales uh, commission side, how much should we be paying for sales commission? That's an interesting question because it really depends on the value of your house and it also depends on the area where you're located. So they can range anywhere from 1% of mm-hmm. the value of your home right through to three, around 3% um, of the value of the property. Obviously, if you have a lower value house, an agent may need to charge a higher percentage in order to cover their costs, whereas if you have a multi-million dollar property, um, an agent can charge a lower percentage uh, to earn the same amount of money. Yep, sounds good. Uh, what do we get for that sales commission? What you what do you get for that sales commission? That's something that I think you need to be really clear on asking the agents when you have them in to look at the property and when they're proposing uh, their strategy to you because different agents will offer different uh, different services. So some agents you will get you know open for inspections, you'll get negotiation, you'll get advertising, um, you'll get kind of the full uh, gamut of services. Whereas other agents you will have to pay for marketing um, as a separate separate inclusion. Um, some agents will do private appointments and, and prefer to do that rather than open for inspections. So it's really important to have um, a clear discussion with your agent as to what's included in that commission. Uh, one thing that a lot of uh, um, a lot of vendors forget to ask about is the post-sale service as well. So once you sell your house, an agent's job really shouldn't finish. What they should do is be continuing that service right through to till settlement. So that includes appointments with the potential purchasers, answering any questions and making sure that whole process goes smoothly, which a lot of agents uh, don't do. Yeah. Okay. So when you see those, you know, glasses of champagne and, and just a nice little 
platter of cheese and biscuits at those um, open for inspections, would that be included in the sales commission or would you have to pay extra for that sometimes? So normally that would be something that the vendor would do. It's not something that's included or something that an agent would do. There are services uh, out there. So there are styling services and there are uh, companies that will prepare your home for an open for inspection that will provide those services, but they are normally an extra. Okay, That's like like on, on Saturday type. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So there are some companies out there that will come and get your house ready, whether it's cleaning, getting fresh flowers, you know, opening all the blinds, things like that. Obviously, an agent should do basic things to to get the house ready for sale. Like we always arrive early, we turn all the lights on, open all the blinds. You know, if there's something that needs to be put in a cupboard, then that's something, you know, we'll obviously do. Um, But an agent's not going to come in and clean your house or anything like that, unfortunately. Actually, aware that service existed. There yeah. you go. <laughs> mm. So, how does the sales commission get split within the office? Now, each agency is different, but generally there are two parts to the commission. There's what we call the listing component of the commission and the selling component um, to the commission. Some agencies have a managing component as well, but um, most agencies are listing and selling. So, the listing side is contributed to the agent who introduces the listing to the company. So that's normally the person that you hire, normally the person that gets you to fill out the paperwork. The selling commission um, is up for grabs in most agencies. So not all agencies, but most agencies. So if, uh, let's say your agent is John Smith and uh, John has a colleague, Brian, who introduces a client of his to your home and Brian's client buys the the house, then normally that selling commission will then go to Brian. So he's incentivised to to, to sell not just his own listings, but other agents' listings. And that's a really important part of the commission that you want to make sure that the agency does have that ability, because even though you're employing the person, you know, sitting across from you in your lounge room, you want to make sure that the rest of the agency is actually working for you as well. And, you know, inherently, we all want to be rewarded for our work. Mm -hmm. So if the agency doesn't have that sales component available to the rest of its sales agents, they're not going to work as hard for you. Mm -hmm. Then you're normally only employing the one person. Whereas if the agency has that selling component of the commission available to all agents, you'll get a team of people working for you. Fantastic. So how about like the running of the office? Does that get like is there a portion of that commissioning that gets used? For yes, absolutely. Sorry. Yes, we missed that bit. As a sales agent, I'm just worried about what, what I'm getting. No, no. Um, so of the commission, you've got uh, normally half of the commission will go to the agency. Um, just as round figures, it, it differs between every agency, but you know, approximately half of it will go to the agency for running the business, paying the rent, having the receptionist, um, you know, all of those types of uh, back-end things that need yeah. to be done. Um, you know, producing the marketing, all of that type of stuff. And then on, on the other side, you've got the commission, which goes to the sales so, agents. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough, yeah. Um, so what do you think about um, incentives and how that sort of fits in from, I suppose, the results point of view of, you know, sale price at the end of the day when they... 
Yeah. Yeah. I think incentives are really interesting because sometimes they can work really well, but sometimes they can actually be quite detrimental to a vendor. I think you have to have a really clear idea of what your property is worth in order to be able to offer that incentive um, because there have been cases in the past where agents have, um, you know, I guess undervalued a property and then put in an incentive to earn a larger commission uh, and that obviously is not the right thing to do morally or ethically and you don't want to get caught out with that. So you do need to make sure that you have a really clear understanding of what the um, what the value of your property is. Naturally, a percentage uh, a percentage fee is an incentive anyway. Mm. So uh, there is a small incentive built into uh, any commission that is a percentage. Mm. So I think that you don't necessarily have to go with those larger percentages that a lo- lot of agents uh, a lot of agents do push because they do have an incentive on the the percentage side anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, recently, there was an agent who got fined for underquoting. Uh, knowing full well that they would get more for the house, like you, similar mm. to what you just said then. They put a lower price on it with an incentive, achieving the higher price. How can we make sure that we aren't conned into a higher commission? I think the key thing is knowing the value of your home. So yeah. you do need to have multiple people come in and give you an opinion on the value of your house. I think it uh, is a good idea to have multiple agents come in. You can even have a, a valuer come in. Uh, that can sometimes be done through your bank through for a very low cost. So having a really good idea of what your, um, what your house is worth is quite important. Uh, and the other thing is if you are putting an incentive in, I would highly recommend not putting any incentive in above your reserve price because your agent does have a um, an influence on you as to where you set your reserve price. Now, a lot of people I know will say, oh, no, 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 I know what my reserve is and they can be very kind of stoic. But believe me, I've, I've seen it all. An agent does influence what your reserve price is. So it's really important that if you do set, set an incentive, that that incentive is set over a dollar figure, not over an ambiguous um, term like over reserve price or, or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a pretty good bit of advice there. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you make of the companies that offer all-inclusive flat fee rates to sell your home? Well, I am a firm believer in that you get what you pay for. So I think that a flat fee can sometimes be very, uh, it can be, it can seem like it's a really good idea, uh, but normally that in when it includes the marketing, you're not going to get the best level of marketing. Mm. So you're not going to get the highest quality photos. You may not get on every website. You might not get the best products on every website. So I have to say that I am not a huge fan of flat fee agents. And Normally, those agencies as well don't have the best salespeople mm. because the best salespeople are great negotiators and that's what you're hiring them to do. Now, a great negotiator is going to negotiate just as well for themselves as they are for you as a client and they don't tend to work at flat fee agencies because the flat fee agencies don't pay them the, 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 the big dollars. Yeah. So um, you, it, it's a good way to know what you're going to pay an agent, but the reality is you're 
probably not going to get the best agent and you're not going to get the best marketing. Um, Sometimes you have to pay for the best result. And the reality is they are slowly dwindling away. They are. Those those flat fee rates. Purple bricks is gone under. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely, yeah. They're profitable, obviously Um, not popular. There's... Um, changing places, or are they? Is there other? I think they're still around, and then, then there's yeah. the other. Um, there, there are, I guess, similar or kind of, um, you know, uh, there, there's other agencies that have similar uh, methodology, but mm. still offer percentages. You know, you've got the Genman system yes. and and things like that, where they include in the commission. It might mm. not be a flat fee, but it's in, everything's in inclusive. I think you've just got to be really careful with with that because what you don't want is an agent who is um, just going to sell your house at any cost. Mm. And sometimes if that agent has gone out and spent money on marketing themselves, then really they need to reap that that cost back. Uh, and if they uh, if they sell it at any cost, you may not be getting the best mm. result. And I heard of a story recently where. Uh, a couple of agents were fighting for a particular property. It was a one-bedroom, $300,000 sort of property, so really it wasn't much to, to fight for. However, one agent came in with, I will charge you, uh, I think we worked out it was about one, it was like 1%, mm-hmm. all-inclusive. It's like it's $3,000 in commission and your marketing. And they put a board out the front, they put... Um, you know, photos and that, and it's like, okay, well, there's all of a sudden a thousand dollars down out. Oh, and more <laughs> and more, yeah. and yeah. and you're left with two thousand dollars for you and the company. And it's like, was that worth it? Mm. Probably not. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So um, yeah, you, you've got to work out or understand what everything's worth. Absolutely. Yeah, and see where it is. Why do you think they haven't worked in Melbourne, the um, the flat fee services? Mm. Uh, I think that there's a couple of reasons. I, I think that Melbourne is a very has a very astute property community. So, every, you know, property is like everybody's second job in Melbourne. You know, <laughs> yeah. they love it. It's a hobby. They watch it every Saturday. So I think um, the public is very astute and they can see that the best results aren't being achieved by those types of companies. Yeah. Um, the best results aren't being achieved by those companies because they don't have the training structures in place to train their salespeople and they don't uh, employ the the uh, the highest calibre of agents. So I think that's one reason. Um, And I I do think that um, it's not just Melbourne where they haven't worked either. So, you know, in the UK, Purple Bricks is quite large, but they only have a 14% sell-through rate. So, you know, that's 14 out of every 100 properties they list that they actually sell. That's a lot of properties they don't sell. So um, so even though they're a big company in, um, in the UK... It's not a successful model for vendors. No. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I didn't think it was that low in mm. the UK, but that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so uh, we will have a little break now and come back with Zaley explaining to us the different commission structures. Welcome back. We're here with Zaley Reynolds from Shelter Real Estate with an insight into sales commission. Uh, when we get three agents uh, with similar experience to give us their proposals to help us sell our home, what should we be looking for? 
great question. I think that what you should be looking for is someone with really good market knowledge. I think that's absolutely key. Someone who knows what the most comparable properties to you are, that has actually physically viewed them, knows what the bus routes are, the train routes, uh, everything that is really important for your home and your area. Knowledge is the number one thing because that is what an agent is going to be able to use to negotiate a better price for you. So them knowing your your area and your house and all of the comparable properties is key. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so if we all give uh, if they all give us the same commission structure, what should we be looking for? Well, obviously, if they've all got similar knowledge and um, similar experience, you do have to choose someone that you like. Um, I know that might sound a little bit corny, but with a real estate agent, you're literally going to be speaking to them every day or every second day for the next month or two months. So it's really important you get on well with that person. Uh, Now, if you get on well with that that person, normally buyers will get on well with that person as well. And having a buyer feel comfortable with an agent is really key because that agent is going to be able to negotiate better with someone that likes them rather than someone who doesn't like them. Uh, if a buyer doesn't like a particular agent or can't ha- can't have get that rapport with them, then they're not going to necessarily uh, pay the highest price. So, you know, if you like someone, really does come into it as well. It does. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So if we like them and they all have really good market knowledge and they but they don't give us the same commission structure. Yeah. What should we be wary of if, say, one person gave us 1.8, one person gave us 2, one gave us 2.2? 2. Um, would be, yeah, what would we be wary about in terms of uh, their sales experience or... Yeah, what's the ups and downs of of those sort of different... Yeah, Yeah. so I always have a concern with agents who are are willing to drop their commission quickly because essentially they're giving away their own money. So if they're willing to give away their own money quickly, how quickly will they be willing to give away your money? How quickly will they be able be willing to drop the price on your house? So you've got to be a little bit careful about that. Obviously, as an astute homeowner, you want to make sure that you're getting the best deal and the best um, commission, but you've got to use the negotiation of the commission as a, um, as a, I guess, kind of like a test, kind of like an interview for how your agent is going to negotiate with a buyer. So if they automatically really quickly drop their commission, they're probably going to do that on the sale price. Mm-hmm. Where if they hold their ground and they show their worth, then they're probably going to do that for your home as well. And when you're talking about the difference between small amounts of commission, you might be talking $1,000, $2,000, $3,000. When you're talking about negotiating on your house, you're probably talking tens of thousands of dollars, maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars. Being taken so, out of your pocket. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. if that if that person is negotiating well on their commission and stands their ground, it might be worth paying them an extra one, two or three thousand dollars because they'll stand their ground and potentially get you an extra ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Okay, so Charles from Point Cook has had his agents through and he's deciding who to go with. One included a separate auctioneer's fee. Should he be paying that or should that be absorbed into the sales commission? 
That really depends on the auctioneer. So a lot of agents will include the auctioneer fee in the commission. And if the auctioneer is part of his sales process and is employed full-time by the agency, my belief is that the auctioneer fee should be included in your sales commission. However, there are sometimes outstanding auctioneers who have their own auction businesses Mm -hmm. and they are worthwhile paying for because they can make a difference to your your sales. So I am sitting a little bit on the fence here because it does depend on the auctioneer. If it's a really good auctioneer and you're paying an extra, you know, four, five, six, seven hundred dollars, they can potentially make, you know, a lot of money for the end result. So And there are some agencies out there that purely their salespeople they haven't actually employed an auctioneer. in their business. Exactly. So, so they, you know, outsource those auctioneers. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's more common than people probably realise. I it? think it's more common yeah. in the outer areas. It is. It's more common in areas where there aren't um, as many auctions, I guess. Mm. Uh, but those auctioneers, some of the auction uh companies that just do auctions, their auctioneers are unbelievable. Oh, so yeah. they can be well worth paying that fee for. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, can you explain the different types of structures um, in general? Like you've got a f- uh, flat percentage, an incentive-based uh, tiered fee, or a flat dollar amount? Mm. So all three of these types of fees are, can, can be negotiated. The first thing you know I need to say is that fees are negotiable. That's the, the law. So you are able to, to start a negotiation with, um, with your agent. So a flat percentage is normally a, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, 1%, 2%, 3% of the sale price. So whether your house sells for 300000 or three fifty or a million or $2 million, the percentage doesn't change regardless of um, what the sale price is. The incentive-based... Uh, I tend to call that a, a tiered fee because it depends on what the property sells for as to what the percentage is of the, the sale amount. Now, these can come in so many different forms. Mm. <laughs> I could sit here for hours and tell you all the different forms. Um, the most common is a base percentage, so that might and would be... And that be less than a um, flat fee? It does tend to be slightly less than a than a flat fee, yeah. so that could be just for you know our example. It could be one point eight percent up to a um, million dollars. You might say a million dollars. I'd really love a million dollars over that. I'm really happy. And then normally it's a, a higher percentage, quite a lot higher. So it's normally ten percent of the residue above a million dollars. So not ten percent of the whole amount, but just ten percent of the residue. So that's the most common one that is used. So if you work that out with the figures 1.8% of a million dollars is $18,000. Yes. If they were to get 1.1, you'd have to pay another $10,000 for that for that for that 100. Correct. And then all of a sudden your commission is $28,000. Correct. Yeah. yeah. But you've got an extra 90,000. But you've got so an extra 90,000. You've yay. got to think <laughs> think yeah. about it that way exactly. as well. Yeah. So, um, that's where where you really have to be careful and know the value of your property to be able to feel confident to put those um, incentives in. Mm-hmm. But the, the the tiered fees can really be quite variable. So you can have, you know, three or four tiers in there. I've had clients come back to me with spreadsheets and say, "What about this?" and I think um, you can make it really complicated, but the the most important thing is you want your agent to be motivated by the fee. So you do want to make sure that they are going to work hard for that for that fee, um, and you want to make it a fair fee. Yeah, yeah. 
and I can imagine those spreadsheets. I'd love to see it. Oh, I've had some doozies, (laughs) believe me. Yeah. Where you could have spent two hours trying to work. Yeah. And then then people would come to you with Excel spreadsheet formulas (laughs) and. And then two months later, when they've actually got the figure, you know, the price, you're just like, okay, how did we work that out again? Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, real estate agents are um, generally, because we're salespeople, we have similar personalities. Mm. We're not spreadsheet people. Mm. I can tell you no, that. No. <laughs> so make it simple for us. People, yeah. people, people aren't uh, typically good at this. Yeah. 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 And the flat dollar amount, sometimes um, if you really want to know, you know what the fee is going to be regardless, I've had clients before say, listen, just what's the flat dollar amount? I don't want a percentage. I just want to know the fee. So um, that, that can be, uh, depending on which agency you're working with, that can be probably anywhere from you know um, 18000 through to 30000 uh, depending on what's being offered. Yeah. Is that common? It's not very common. No, that's yep. probably the least common of all of the the fees. Uh, and I don't think it's probably the best fee for salespeople because mm-hmm. they are inherently driven by money mm-hmm. and they're, they're commissioned salespeople. So that's what's going to get them motivated to sell your house. If you offer them a, a dollar a dollar f- um, figure, then it doesn't matter if they get a million dollars or 1.2, yeah. um, they're still going to get paid the same amount. So it is good to offer them a percentage because that's really what drives salespeople. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing to remember too is if they don't sell your house, they don't get paid. Exactly. So they, there is that motivation to start with. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I know when I sold my first house, I was told 2% commission, but we still have to pay the government as well. So it's actually 2.2%. Not what I was expecting. Um, how about GST? Should we ask if it's inclusive or not inclusive in the commission rate? Absolutely. That is a key question that a lot of vendors get caught out on. And I I ha- hate it. I think that, you know, agents should talk GST inclusive. I know they don't get paid the GST, but it is essentially what the client pays us. So we need to talk GST inclusive for the, the clients that we're speaking to. You need to ask as a vendor, though, because I would say at the moment it's probably 50-50. 50% of agents talk GST inclusive and 50% of agents talk GST exclusive. Mm. And you might have two agents that say they're both, you know, 1.8% and you choose one of them and they come to sign sign up and it's, you know, 1.98 um, or, you know, 2 or 2.2. So there is a difference there. You do need to be very clear and ask that question. Yeah. And um, so when do you get paid? As a sales agent or yeah. <laughs> when does the client pay? Yeah. yeah, so the commission comes out of the um, out of the deposit. Now the deposit when once the deposit is released to the agency, um, that can be sometimes it is 28 days after a sale if a deposit is released early uh, or it can be on settlement. Now the agency receives those funds. Normally a salesperson won't get paid for another two to three weeks depending on what time of the month that um, that money comes out of the uh, out of the the deposit. So sometimes, as an agent, I can be waiting four or five months for f- to get paid for for a sale. So um, it can it, it it's requires a lot of budgeting. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> That's really been informative, Zaley. Now we are going to have a little fun. Get ready for Grant's fun facts. Grant's fun facts. Only 2% of sales happen 
when two parties meet for the very first time. So not very much, which is interesting. Means you need to build up that rapport. That's when the sales happen. Yes. Yep, absolutely. Definitely. Number two, 35 to 50% of all sales go to the agent who responds first. Would you say that's fair? I'd say that's fair, and I think you know if an agent who's going to, is going to respond quickly to you as a um, as a, a client, then they're going to respond quickly to a buyer. So mm. you know you want people who are on the ball. It's in their yeah, yeah. it's in their nature to get on top of things. Yeah. Uh, number three, it can take as little as five days to become an agent's representative in Victoria, and two and then it takes two years of study plus two years of experience to become a fully licensed real estate agent. In Victoria, it's quite easy to become a sales a, a agent, agent representative, yeah. which then... is a little bit scary in its own little way. Because it is, it is a little bit scary, and I think a lot of people uh, also think, "Oh, well, you know, it's really easy to become a real estate agent. It'll be an easy job." I yeah. can tell you now, it's not an easy job. Yeah. It takes a lot of hard work, yeah. Yeah. and it, and it's a lot of, as you said, building up rapport with a lot yeah. of people. And yeah. I like that to be actually a real estate agent officially does take two years of experience, yeah. which is important. So mm. And every agent... to get the, uh, the full agent. Absolutely. And every agent's representative has to work under a fully agent, licensed estate agent. So there is that, um, that the buffer guide, there. Being guided yeah. properly. And, yeah. 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 In, in most cases, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. All right. Number four, the average sales commission for a house in Victoria is 2.1%. Not sure if that includes GST or not. Mm. So what would what would the average be in say Turak? Do you think for commission wise? Um, probably around the one to one point five percent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then as you go out, it's one point five to two, two to two yeah. and a half. And in the country, I know that you know I've got a friend who works out in Gippsland. They charge two point seven five percent flat, regardless. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, one of the agents I work with now, uh, he actually used to work in Inverloch. Yeah, and he said that. Yeah, I think he was around three percent. Mm. Um, but he said the the kilometres he travelled, he. He was doing a hundred thousand k's a, a, a year in his car. Yeah, because yep. you know it's just insane. That's why he's now moved to Elwood. Goes, that's so nice, just being <laughs> yeah. where we need to go. Yeah. yeah, so all good. All right, now it's time for Sue's quick quiz. Yes. Okay, Zaylee. I'm Ten ready. Questions. I'm ready. Ten questions. Good. Okay. So, what is your favourite Melbourne beach? My favourite Melbourne beach is a little bit outside of Melbourne. It's okay. Venus Bay, just down near oh, Inverloch, where nice, you were talking nice. about. I love it down there. I go down, I relax, and there's hardly anyone around. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. it's a good spot. So, what's better, AFL or rugby? AFL. Okay, who do you back for? Oh, Port Adelaide. It's oh. not a, uh, I'm not originally from Melbourne, so... Okay, but yeah, Port Power. Go for it. It wasn't even a Perth thing. I know, I know. It's a long story. Too okay. long for this podcast. So okay. where did you grow up? In Perth. In, oh, yeah. sorry, yes. Yeah, it was a bit of a teenage rebellion thing. I, you know, had to support someone that wasn't my dad's team, so I was one of those teenage rebels. Yep. <laughs> and you went for Port Adelaide. So who's your favourite Melbourne-based politician? 
Oh, good question. Melbourne-based politician. Um, I do love politics, and uh, but I, I don't really have a favourite Melbourne-based politician. I'm going to say I'm a little bit over the politicians at the moment. Mm-hmm. My favourite politician was Julie Bishop, and I just think once mm-hmm. she left, there's you know no more red shoes, no more great mm-hmm. fashion. Um, <laughs> so I haven't chosen another one. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So what's your favourite sport to play? Uh, favorite sport to play? I probably am a runner, so okay. running or boxing—they're mm-hmm. my my favorite. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we read a little bit of an article about yeah. boxing. You've done yes. some professional, well, not pro- uh, amateur boxing. Amateur amateur boxing, yes. Yeah. So I've had a fight, and you know, uh, I do love it. Um, I don't know if I'll have another fight because I was quite badly concussed, and my husband has kind of said no more. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. but I didn't lose, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a draw, wasn't it? It was a draw, yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, what... Sorry, what's the last song that you sang out loud? Oh, I love singing out loud. <laughs> Ain't no mountain high enough. Oh, I know it's an oldie, but it's a goodie. It's a goodie? Beautiful. Yeah, yeah gotta love Good that. Work. What's the most recent Melbourne attraction that you've just stumbled across? Oh, recent Melbourne attraction. Oh... I took my grandma to go see the um, the Melbourne Star. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, the Ferris wheel. The, the Ferris wheel, wheel. yeah. So yeah. that was really One interesting. Yeah. for like two years. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty thing now. Yeah. So she really enjoyed it. It, it was yeah. a bit slow for me. I'm a fast-paced kind of person. Yeah. But, yeah, it was the Melbourne good. Eye is the same. Another Melbourne Eye. London actually, Eye is yeah. quite slow. But it's yeah. It's okay. It's mm. good. Um. Yeah, I found, uh, was it Go Boats or something on the Yarra? They've got these, you can drive these little boats, um, so you don't have to have a licence, and they've got, like, this table in the middle where you can organise a little picnic and you hire the boat for, like, yeah, right. 100 bucks for an hour. Or oh, wow. Two, yeah, and you That's just, cool. and it says how far you can go up for an hour up the Yarra, and, and you, know, you can have eight people on it, so you can have a little party on it. And it's really cool. That, that sounds like cool. fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll have to get onto that. that. Yeah, go yeah. boats. Go boats. One of my, actually, my accountant. That's a great a, afternoon, actually, yeah. with your mates. Yeah, yeah. I love and it. As I said, eight people for 100 bucks for an hour. I think it's 190 for two hours or something. Um, but even that, have your few yeah. mates on the, on yeah. the era. No, that's okay. cool. Okay. Um, what's, what's the most luxurious thing you've ever seen in a house? Oh, um, this is not luxurious, but okay. it's kind of funny. So yeah. I do need to say this. I did sell a house um, that had a urinal in the ensuite. Oh. So this particular gentleman, was it was the one thing he requested. He said his wife could build a house if he if she put a urinal in it, oh, and man. she actually did. So, <laughs> you know, no more lifting of the seat, um, which is, yeah, I, I don't know if I could do have that in my my house, but that was probably one of the funniest things I've I seen. Know. Most women probably couldn't think of anything worse. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually would love one it. in my house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have. I must admit, I have seen one once, just once. So, yeah, I yeah, it is. It is awesome. A... Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, it's not awesome. Yes. Yeah, you'd love it. Awesome. <laughs> I, I love it in my house because yeah. we have way too many boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, what's the last amateur production you've you've seen? 
oh, it would have been a school. It would have been some type of school production because mm-hmm. um, I have four stepchildren. So mm-hmm. I, I've only got one left at school, which is really good. Very excited about that. But yeah. I've been to many, many a school production. Oh, yeah. so. That's what happens when you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you prefer family and friends to call first or just pop in? Call first because I'm hardly ever home. So, I mean, they can pop in if they want, but they won't find me home. (laughs) Fair enough. And what's the weirdest thing you've ever done on a day trip? Oh... My favourite day trip, though, is probably Bendigo. I have friends up there, and yeah. I love going to the art gallery that they have up in Bendigo. So, um, so yeah. no weird stories. No here. weird stories here. No. Okay, that's fine. So, Zaley, tell us about the charity project you're working on. Um, so I'm working with a charity called Global Village Housing. So it's been set up some, by some really amazing Victorians and they build houses in Cambodia uh, for families that don't have houses or whose houses are falling down. Uh, and they're just a really amazing charity. Uh, there's uh, They employ people in Cambodia to build the houses and it's really just lifting different uh, underprivileged uh, people in that country out of poverty. So get on the website, Global Village Housing, um, donate, um, build a house yourself. It's really uh, simple and easy to do, and they're just an amazing charity. And you're doing some pretty amazing things in terms of your your new agency that you've started. And how do you want to explain how you're? Yeah, you know, absolutely. So the two. Yeah, absolutely. We are, what we've decided to do is every time we sell a house, we pledge to house one person. So Global Village Housing, on average, house 4.5 people for every house they build. So every time we sell four and a half houses, we will build a house uh, on behalf of our clients uh, in Cambodia for those who are underprivileged, uh, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, our aim is to build as many houses as possible, but the first goal is 100. So we'd love to build 100 houses and, um, yeah, we'd love anyone anyone's help to do it. Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. So if you want to be a part of that, you need to sell your home through Shelter Real Estate. We'd love to sell your home. Yeah, love that to sell your nice. home. Yeah. Good work. Thank you very much, Zaley, for giving our listeners a chance to really be prepared with looking at sales commission and when they invite sales agents into their home. Next week, we have REIV President Leah Kelnan to, uh, coming in to talk to us about agent disclosure. What do agents need to disclose about crime, murder, death and divorce when selling a property? It's one you won't want to miss. Thanks, Zayla. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That's great. Real Estate Right is a real copyright and We Shoot Buildings production. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Audio Stock for sound effects and Premium Beat for our theme music. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe on your favourite podcast service. Don't forget, if you're looking at selling your home and you want some of your commission to go to a cause, call Zaley Reynolds at Shelter Real Estate on 9889 3990. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.